back with you again this morning. I'm kind of like a stray dog. You give me a little attention, I just keep showing up. That's kind of how that works. Uh, but it's really good to be back with you, and it's a whole lot of fun to watch how you interact with one another um, and just connect with each other even during, during that little time right there. Um, just uh, really uh, excited to be here with you today. Now, if you remember the last time I was with you, we kinda, I kind of shared with you some thoughts that I had about one of two parts of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that have really been kind of on my heart a lot over the last year or so. And I can't explain all the reasons why, but they've kind of, kind of been there. And the last time we looked at Jesus' countercultural wisdom of turning the other cheek and going the extra mile. And we discussed that if we're going to say that we're followers of Jesus, we're going to probably need to act like Jesus being truthful and willing to engage with difficult people in a third way, Jesus' way of dealing with things, a way that brings honor to God and doesn't escalate situations, but doesn't just ignore them either, right? And so today we're going to go back to the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and take a look at a section known as the Beatitudes. And in this part of Jesus' message, as people are there gathered on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee as Jesus is teaching, he's once again taking the most common and accepted human ways of thinking uh, about values, about happiness, and turning them completely upside down for the people. But unlike the last time when I was with you, the passage we're going to look at today is going to seem, at least at first glance, like common sense. This one isn't going to shock us, right? Something we would all agree immediately we would, we would be in agreement with. But as we dig into it, I think we're going to see that this beatitude may not exactly mean what we think it means. Now, before we get to this passage this morning, let me just ask you, anyone have any difficult or frustrating relationships that you're dealing with? Anybody? <laughs> Uh, this is church, you really shouldn't lie. You need to put your hands up. Now, don't point to the people, all right? But you can put your If you're not raising your hands, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the difficult person, I'm not sure. But we all have difficult relationships to a certain degree, right? To varying degrees, we all have issues in our relationships. And relationships can be difficult and challenging. And it's amazing, especially in our families, just how easily we can slip into dysfunctional cycles. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you have an extended family member that is just constantly criticizing everything you do. They criticize your home. If you have kids, they criticize the way you're raising your kids. And it could be, it could be frustrating. Or, or maybe for you, it's a coworker that seems to know how to push every single button that you've got. And just walking into the office or seeing their face on a Zoom call just causes your blood pressure to elevate just a little bit. You know who I'm talking about? We all have those people. Maybe it's a relationship that used to be healthy and used to be really close, but now it's really cold and it's devolved into just pot shots, right? Or maybe they just don't talk to you at all and you have no relationship anymore. Jesus' words this morning might help us navigate these types of relationships. They've helped me in my life, the conflicts that we have. So I want you to take a look with me in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're going to just look at one single beatitude today. Jesus' words in, in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, what you need to know about these, these words that are right here, okay? This word peace, it occurs in a couple of different languages in, in the Bible, Greek and Hebrew. And this word that gets translated into English, peace, has all kinds of deep meaning, okay? In the New Testament, in the, in the Greek language, the word for peace is Irene, like the woman's name, all right? Irene is the word Jesus used. In the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word that we're all very familiar with. Maybe it's a word that you've heard when people uh, are, are giving a greeting in Hebrew. It's the word shalom. It just means peace. That's what it means. Okay? And these are the words that we see here uh, in the Bible for this word peace that Jesus is talking about when he says peacemakers. Okay? These original words. But these words in the Bible have so much more depth to them than the way we use the word peace in English. And this is often true about language. Sometimes, uh, over time, language just kinds to kind of, uh, you know, chip away at the deeper meanings of a word. And I think that's happening here with this word. Because often in our culture, when we think of the word peace, we simply think of it as meaning the absence of conflict. Peace is just the absence of having conflict in our lives. But in the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, this word peace also means to have the presence of the highest good in your relationships. The presence of the highest good. And so when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he doesn't just mean I want your relationships to be conflict-free. He actually means I want you to have the highest good in the relationships that you have. He calls us to a higher standard. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's not very countercultural, though, right? I mean, I think we'd all say, yeah, peacemakers should be, should be the kind of people that would be referred to as children of God, right? Doesn't seem very upside down or countercultural at all. But this is where this kind of does start to turn a little bit. Because in the original Greek language, following the word for peace, Irene, Jesus uses another Greek word. It's the Greek word poi poi. It's my all-time favorite Greek word because it's just fun to say, poi poi. Kind of sounds like a Japanese candy, which is kind of fun, all right? But poi poi is the word here, okay? And this word poi poi is what makes this statement countercultural to a degree. Let me explain. Everyone Jesus is talking to there on the side of this hill, Sea of Galilee, all of them had this understanding, this mindset, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We talked about that two weeks ago, Right? It's where if someone hits you, you hit them back. Someone steals something from you, you steal something back. Someone humiliates you, 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 you humiliate them back, right? This, is, this was the understanding in the day, and quite frankly, this is still the understanding in our day, how we deal with things, all right? But this little Greek word, poi poi, Jesus is saying something challenging to his listeners because poi poi means maker. It means maker or creator, maker or creator of peace. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the peace creators, the peacemakers. He isn't, he's calling us to a higher calling with this, okay? What Jesus doesn't say here is blessed are the peacekeepers. He doesn't say that. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. And there's a big difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, Okay? Let me just differentiate between the two. 
What are peacekeepers? Peacekeepers often try to avoid conflict to keep the peace, right? Peacekeepers like to work around issues. They kind of like to skirt the issues to try to make sure there's no conflict going on. That's the peacekeeper. They'll often even ignore issues. It's when you get to a place where you're like, you know what, let's just pretend like that never happened, right? You just want to keep the peace. You don't want there to be any issues. We'll get together at family dinners. We'll go to cookouts on the 4th of July, right? We'll smile. We'll act like everybody's getting along. But you could cut the tension with a knife. You know what I'm talking about? We're not going to show that anything's wrong. We're going to keep our our smile on our face because as Christians, we're supposed to be happy, right? So we're just going to kind of just not say anything. We've got to keep the peace. But then what happens? Months go by and someone says, you know, no one's saying anything about anything that's really going on. Everybody's just trying to keep the peace. But what happens over time is something sets you off or somebody else off. And then there's just this big explosion of undealt with stuff. And pretty soon everyone's like, what just happened? Where did that come from? So I want you to understand, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, the creators. It's an action word, poi poi. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's not passive. See, peacemakers will often embrace conflict in order to make peace, to create peace. A peacemaker doesn't try to just skirt the issues, push away the issues. A peacemaker works on the issues and works through the issues. With the help of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, there can be real peace in our relationships if we start to understand this. Okay? But this has to be actively pursued and actively worked on. It doesn't just happen through avoidance. I want you to think about race relations in our country at the moment. This is partly, I think, part of our problem. Race has been an issue for a long time. And there's 70 or 80 years of just undealt with stuff. And anytime someone wants to bring something like that up, let's just keep the peace. Let's just don't, don't say anything about it. We don't want to cause a problem. Just don't talk about it, right? But what is that doing for us? It's not really helping anything, is it? And there are a lot of people who end up in a lot of pain because the things that are happening aren't being dealt with. They're not being talked about. Peace is not being created. We're just keeping the peace. Do you see the difference? There's a difference there. It's a big difference there. There are a lot of people who believe being a Christian is just having the absence of bad in your life, right? That ain't even close to what Jesus had in mind for us as followers of Jesus. Not at all. Jesus actually has a higher calling for those of us who want to follow him with our lives. He wants us to work towards the highest good. He wants the highest good in relationships. That doesn't just happen by ignoring stuff. That happens through working through stuff. So many people that claim to be Christian, when relationships get difficult, we just want to write somebody off, forget them, push them aside, ignore them, cancel them. Isn't that how we do? Forgive them. I mean, what, 
after what they did to me? I'm not going to forgive them. Are you kidding me? They'd have to come crawling back on their hands and knees for me to forgive. And even if they did that, I'm going to make them pay. That's the way we think, usually, isn't it? That's the cultural way of thinking. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, he has a higher expectation. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so Jesus wants us to act he wants us to actively try to make peace in relationships, to repair and not throw away, to talk about, uh, to talk about the issues and not ignore them. Talk about countercultural, right? That's countercultural. We throw everything away in our country when it isn't working right, including relationships. We don't try to work through anything. You know, the Apostle Paul said some similar things in the book of Romans. As he's addressing the church in Rome, he writes this in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 18. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, which is what everybody has been taught to do. That's what Jesus is saying earlier. He says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, here's the powerful part. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, in case you're sitting there and you're thinking, I sure old so-and-so is listening to this online right now because they really need to hear it. Bless their heart. Right? No. Jesus is talking to you. He's talking to you. Right? As far as it depends on you, do everything possible to create peace. Now, truthfully, sometimes it doesn't depend on you. Sometimes difficult people don't want peace. They don't want anything to do with it. You're not responsible for them. You're not responsible for their actions. You're responsible for your own. And if the only peace you can create is just peace inside yourself, then that's what you need to create, right? You can make peace. And Paul said, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, all right, Tony, if we're going to be followers of Jesus and we're going to be peacemakers... What does that even look like? How do we make peace? How does that happen? I'm going to give you a few takeaways today, and I just want you to ponder on them a little bit, okay? If you want to write them down and pay attention to them later, you can do that. And here's the first piece. In order to make peace in our relationships, you have to learn to tell the truth in love. To tell the truth in love. Don't avoid it. Don't pretend everything is fine. That's my all-time worst word in the world, fine. How's it going? Fine. Oh, I hate that word because what fine means, it's okay, but there's probably some stuff I'm not dealing with. That's what fine means, right? That's yeah, fine. No. What we want in relationship is the highest good, remember? We have a higher standard to things. We don't want to just be fine. We tell the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul writes, Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ. And that's what we want, to be more like Jesus. We want to be more than just Christian in name. 
We want to be followers of Jesus. We want to tell the truth in love. Now, notice it doesn't say yell the truth in love, okay? It doesn't say post the truth in love. Oh, Lord, please, no more Facebook comments, right? Just stop with the social media stuff, right? No one's going to change their mind there, okay? It doesn't work. It says tell the truth in love. And this is really, really important, okay? You tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. That's when we work on important issues. In other words, if someone is like, you're embroiled in this major conflict, you're yelling at each other, you're arguing, probably not the time to throw in a new issue, right? Probably not. Probably wise to wait and talk about that when things have calmed down, okay? So first you tell the truth in love, and then you do so during non-conflict times. Okay? The next thing I want you to take home with you is that we should, when we deal with these things, confront the issue and never the person. Confront the issue, never the person. So you work on the issues in non-conflict times. You confront the issues, but not the person. A few years ago, uh, my family, when my kids were younger, my wife Stacy and my kids and I, we went on our summer vacation. In this particular year, we decided just to focus our attention on going and visit our family, Stacy's mom and dad, who lived uh, a couple of days away from us. So it was, a, it was a big road trip. So we turned it into this big road trip, visited a lot of different parts of the country as we drove to where we were going. But we also had another purpose in visiting Stacy's family that summer. See, my wife Stacy, who's here with me today, has had a difficult relationship with her mom for quite a while. And in case, you, in case you want to know this, before we go any further, she's given me permission to share this story. Okay? I always ask. And secondly, what you need to know about Stacy's mom is she's a good woman, okay? and we love her dearly. Okay? But over the years, she's been a rather difficult person. She's been unsupportive of Stacy and passive-aggressively really hurtful. And obviously, this has been difficult for Stacy. And Stacy sought out therapy over the years and really tried to put the words of Jesus and Paul into practice, trying to make peace as far as it depends on her. And so while we were planning on going to her parents' house for vacation, Stacy also planned to sit down and have a conversation with her mom and share with her how she's feeling, how all these things were affecting her. And so without our kids present, Stacy sat down with her mom, and Stacy just shared her heart. And it was pretty emotional for her. Now, Stacy didn't go in there to tell her mom she was an awful mom. She didn't go in there raising her voice or attacking her mom. Instead, she expressed to her mom how much she loves her and that she told the truth in love. She said, there are things that you often say and do, mom. And you may not even know that you do this. That really hurt me. And her mom heard what she said because it was a non-conflict time. And as a result, Stacy saw some changes. Now, I could tell you over the years, it's been a while, things aren't fixed. The things still happen, okay? But Stacy feels a whole lot more at peace herself because she is attempting to work through the conflict rather than just pretend it doesn't exist. 
Stacy didn't just keep the peace. She didn't just allow her mom to continue to say the hurtful things without saying something to her about it. She told the truth in love in an attempt to create peace. And as followers of Jesus, we should love people enough in our lives to want to do that. Okay? So we do this in non-conflict times. We confront the issues and not the person. And we tell the truth in love. That is what a peacemaker does. It's not easy. But it's what we're called to do. Here's another thing that peacemakers do. They apologize when they're wrong. Now, if you're like me, you've never been wrong. So you can tune this rest of this section out, right? <laughs> Which is also probably part of the problem, <laughs> right? When we do something that hurts somebody, we should apologize for that. Apologize when you're wrong. I've had uh, really great conversations with my adult son, Tanner, in recent years that have really just helped me in a lot of ways. And it's amazing as your kids get older how much you can learn from them. Let me just say that. James chapter 5 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love that verse. What do you think our relationships would look like if when we sinned, we just owned up to it? We confessed it. Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. What I did was wrong. Will you please forgive me? What would our homes look like? What would our churches look like? What would our country look like? Can you imagine how incredibly different relationships would be if we owned our sins and we confessed them? Peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. See, we're not just supposed to be Christian in name. You know, throw a bumper sticker on the car, vote with a certain block, you know, and, and uh, wear those cheesy t-shirts. That's not what we're doing, okay? We are called to follow Jesus, to emulate him, to do the best we can to try to resemble him. And Jesus instructs us not just to wish away conflict, but to work towards the highest good. He calls us to something more than what we often think of when we think of peace. And so we tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. We apologize when we're wrong. And then number four here, peacemakers forgive and they let go. Forgive and let go. And let me just walk into this one gently for a minute. Because right now, I know there are some of you here that are in a tremendous amount of pain. And some of you right now are thinking to yourself, well, you know, you're, you know, little pastor life, your little, you know, pastor problems. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. <laughs> and I just want to say, I may not have been through what you have been through. But I do understand that some things are very difficult to forgive, right? I understand that. And so maybe you had a spouse betray you, and you think, there's no way I could ever forgive them. 
in a group this size. There are some of you that trusted someone with everything inside of you. And they lied to you, and they deceived you, and they left you in a really, really hard place. And that could be really difficult to forgive. Am I right? And I know that there are some of you that have someone in your family who should have protected you. And that person who should have protected you took advantage of you. Maybe they abused you. And right now you're thinking to yourself, how in the world do I forgive that? I don't even want to forgive that. Again, I'm not telling you this will be easy. And I also want to point out, forgiveness is not the same as an excuse. Forgiveness doesn't mean excusing bad behavior, hurtful behavior. They're not the same thing. Okay? They're not the same thing. Remember, peacemaker, not peacekeeper, who's just going to pretend it didn't happen. Keep it quiet. Don't say anything about it. That's not me. Don't just sweep it under the rug. It's incredibly important to learn to forgive if you ever want to have peace inside yourself. But it's not the same thing as excusing bad behavior that has consequences. Okay? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then, it's, then he says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I really appreciate the song we just sang earlier about God's amazing grace and how much we all need it. How do you forgive? Well, you forgive as the Lord forgave you. What has God forgiven you for? Do you deserve it? God forgave you freely even though you didn't deserve it, even though you can't earn it. And that's how we're told to forgive others. That's how a Jesus follower operates. Now let me share with you another personal story, okay? And I know you don't know me, and I'm sharing these personal stories, and so just bear with me. You know, my dad, uh, who passed away about 14 years ago now, my dad struggled with alcoholism for the majority of his life. And eventually, when he got into his late 60s, he started to try to wrestle with these things and finally deal with them. And I was able to share Christ with him just before his 70th birthday. And he became a follower of Jesus. But there were times when I was a kid, there was a time when I was a child that things were really ugly. And I'm not going to go into details, but it really was not easy to navigate. And if you've ever been in a home where alcohol is an issue, you're going to understand. But as I got older and became an adult, I learned a whole lot about my father's own childhood that he never shared with me. I learned more details about his parents and the lack of complete lack of direction and structure in his life. I learned how when he was in grade school, he was put in an orphanage for about four years, and he didn't know why. I learned about how, how, how he had to deal with all of that without really any help. And it all gave me great perspective regarding why my father did the things that he did. And that wasn't an excuse, 
but it helped to give perspective. My father confessed a lot of things to me, things that he had done in his life before I was around, sins he committed. And finally, my dad finally began to accept God's forgiveness for it all. It was a long journey for him. It took him a little while longer before he began to ask me for my forgiveness. Now, I had forgiven him a long time before, and he didn't necessarily know that, but I had. But he said, I want to tell you that I'm sorry. I want to ask you to forgive me. And that made a big difference to me. It meant so much. He asked me to forgive the example he was to me at times in my life. He asked me to forgive how he treated my mom at times for not being there for me in the big events of life, like a high school graduation or a baseball game, where he just wasn't around. And he wasn't just sorry. He asked for forgiveness. I don't think I ever felt closer to my dad than I did in that moment. Because that is what forgiveness can do. And some of you have experienced that in your life. And if you've never kind of wandered into this kind of church world and understand the grace of Jesus before, this is what we're talking about. This idea of forgiveness for things that you can't change in the past. That's a big deal. It's a giant weight that gets lifted. And you know how much that affects a relationship in positive ways? Very much so. Very much so. There's some of you that call yourselves Christian, but again, you're not really being a follower of Jesus because maybe you're withholding forgiveness. A follower of Jesus forgives, and we forgive as we've been forgiven, and we show mercy as we've been shown mercy. And when we act like Jesus and we forgive, when we act like him and we show mercy, when we act like him and we create peace, we make peace, Jesus calls us children of God. Children of God. Again, I have two amazing adult children. I'm going to brag on them. My son Tanner and his wife Delaney are church planters in Tokyo, Japan. They just told us on Father's Day that they're expecting. So we're pretty excited about that. And there's a lot of, lot of things I could share with you that I'm not going to know about that. But I'd appreciate your prayers for them. And then we have a daughter, Haley, who is a senior in college. And right now she's doing an internship at a church in Ventura, California. We're very proud of her as well. What you need to know about both of my children is, unfortunately for them, they look a little bit like me. Okay? But fortunately for them, they also look a little bit like their mom. Okay? But you know what? When we attempt to be peacemakers, and when we do everything possible to live at peace with everyone, and when we freely forgive, guess who it is that we look like? We look like our Heavenly Father, created in His image, conformed to the likeness of His Son, Jesus. Co-heirs. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, because they are children of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you for opportunity to share uh, 
things that I've learned over the years, things from your word that are so powerful. And I thank you for an opportunity to be with uh, like-minded people where you can share vulnerable things. God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of each of the individuals sitting here, but I know that relationships can be really tough and difficult and messy. And your son, Jesus, knows all about messy families. God, I'm thankful for what we see in Scripture that doesn't pretend that there's not dysfunction. You can't look at a passage of Scripture and not see the dysfunction in relationships all over the place. But I am so thankful for the words of your son, Jesus, who help us navigate such things. Lord, as we're wrapping up our time together and we're getting ready to prepare for some, some communion today, will you help us to see that in the bread and the juice is the ultimate way of bringing peace, creating it, making peace. Jesus did that for us so that we can have the highest good in all of our relationships, the highest good in our relationship with God and the highest good in our relationships with one another. So as we enter in a time of communion and reflection here, I pray that you will help us be mindful of that. Help us to reflect on who it is that we resemble. Do we resemble the world? Or do we resemble your son, Jesus? I pray for the people that might just be in so much pain because they haven't had the opportunity in any healthy ways to deal with some of the conflict in their life. I pray that they will find a person here at this church that they can confide in and talk to. And that they might consider visiting with someone in a counseling scenario, if so be. But thank you for the healing you bring to our lives. Thank you for being an active God and not a passive one. Thank you for creating peace in this world, this world that is so full of conflict. Now that's countercultural. It's beyond understanding. It's your name that we pray together. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.